Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths and February, it's effed up February. So me and Matthew, who's here now in the intro zone. Hello. We're going to be covering effed up movies. I don't know why I'm uh, saying effed up and not the right word, but that's what's happening. We've got to keep it clean on the iTunes chart. Oh yes, yes, very true. This week we're going to be covering Kevin Smith's Tusk um, as the start of our thing. If you've seen that, then you'll know why it's in the in the running. Um, but or before... is it? That's what we're going to find out later. Well, but, yeah, very true. Very. But true. before we do it, let's uh, tell people that if they have seen it and you know they do want to know what it's about, they can just tell us in the Facebook group. We can have some nice discussions about the film there. Yes. It's all just there on Creative Psychopaths. So join us. And I think without further any ado, Walrus yes or Walrus no? Walrus, let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are those horror sandwiches? I hear you shout. Don't worry about it. My name's Mark and with me as always is Matthew. Happy February. Happy February. The effed up February. We're here. You know, it's really effed up about this particular February. We're recording in January. Oh, that's, very scary. That's about as effed up a February as you can get, isn't it? It is. It's really quite scary. I think we're on January 85th and it's um, it's it's Burns Night, which is fun. Um, I've had my haggis and neeps and ties because... Um, for some reason, even though it's like my favourite meal ever, um, we only have it once a year, even though it's delicious. Well, I don't know why that doesn't get cooked more often. It's one of those, it's like pancakes, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I'm on just like boiled rice, like with without even any salt in, because it's not only did I, you know, I get paid like, two weeks early because of Christmas last month. Yeah. Uh, we're also moving house and that comes with, you know, rather large uh, assorted costs that just get thrown at you. So I am skint. So that's, that's some horror for you there. Yeah. That's scary times. Uh, a man living off just rice without salt. Um, not even boiled because that's too much gas. Uh, so just dry rice. Uh, you yeah, didn't, my, you didn't my, my insides that. will cook it. Exactly. It's hot in there, isn't it? So I suppose it's not boiling. Ah, who cares? Uh, you could probably eat more of it like that. No, hang on. It's not cost effective to not cook rice. Um, well, you have to pay for toilet paper once it comes out. And you, uh... Well, I'm just thinking that rice doubles in size, doesn't it? So if you eat it uncooked, you've got to eat more of it. So if, it makes more sense to cook it. Or you'll just blow up like that like a blue girl in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. I think I heard somewhere that pigeons explode if you give them rice. Um, 
I don't know if that's true. That don't, that don't feel right. It, it um, feels like an urban legend, doesn't it? Feels like an urban legend. But if any of you psychopaths out there want to go out and feed a pigeon some rice and report back to us with your findings, then we'll be uh, happy to hear from it. Matthew, of course, as we know, is a doctor and we'll be able to uh, explain the science of it. It's been a while since we've had that, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I thought about it, I was thinking about it the other day. I thought I haven't, I haven't, I haven't brought that riff back. Yeah, I've. I've, I've... We'll have to check with the uh, the British Medical Association see if I've been struck from the record for my yes time perhaps. not practicing. Perhaps you have. Perhaps you have. Uh, can you lose your doctorate? Uh, I, I think you can be uh, removed from the the practicing uh, uh, element of it, but you you can't lose the degree. Right. Uh, yeah. But you have to obviously you have to keep your skills up, otherwise you're no good to anyone. Yeah, you're no good to anyone, unless of course you're working on reanimating corpses, which you could do, I suppose. Um, that's sort of like a horror reference there, everybody. So let's get into this sandwich. Let's get into this slice of bread sandwich deliciousness. Um, yes. So, well, as as we said, it, it's still just the back end of January, and it, a couple of days ago. We got the Oscar nominations out. I don't know, but how how do you feel about the Oscars generally? It's not something that I personally am too bothered about. Um, no, I would say the same. I, I find the Oscars uh, really are only good for two things. Uh, so trivia is the, the first one because, you know, quiz questions love the Oscars, don't they? The the other thing is I always found uh, is just like an introduction to film. You know, you, if you don't really know where to start, just yeah. looking at like the list of your best up picture winners is a, is a good place, and you know you'll find a lot of good films there. But the never, like the never the the hallmark of these are the best are they? And I think the way that the Academy treats horror is the perfect example of that. Yes. Yeah, they're for sure. Um, hmm. It does tend to get skipped a lot. I think there, there have been a few that have broken through the cracks. Um, and I think the odd time is they, it's like they go, oh, it's not really horror. <laughs> I mean, they, they might. Um... Yeah, definitely. So I think that the example that you, I would say is probably the perfect one for that is, Silence of the Lambs, isn't it? Yes. You know, there was there was no way they looked at that as a an out and out horror film. They looked at it as a drama, yeah. first and foremost. Well, I mean, comedy's the same. Comedy gets overlooked, you know. Spinal Tap didn't win any Oscars and he really should have done. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's snobbery, mostly from the Academy. I think they also there's a big part of them I think just generally that they they just don't want to, you know, they kind of want to seem, you know, smarter. They don't give it to the obvious choice a lot of the time. No. You know, how, how long did it take Martin Scorsese to win an Oscar? You know. Too like, long. Yeah, it's you know, ridiculous. But we're not here to talk. We're talk, here to talk positive today. Mm, happy so, days. We're, we're just going to have, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a chat about our, the, you know the times that horror was able to break through and uh, you know get get the hands on that little 
little golden statue. Yeah. So, oh, um, well, uh, let me let me start because uh, I would get let's get this out of the way because as always, everybody knows if they listen already that um, obviously Jaws, um, which we discovered the best score and best uh, editing. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, I th- although I think to a degree, I think Jaws falls under that bracket of being not quite a horror film. Uh, enough for them to be able to say, oh, yeah, this is more like something else. And it does, you know, it is a sort of a PG movie and it does have different elements of of things. It's not an out-and-out horror, but it is, you know, obviously a really great film. So Um, do you think, though, that for Jaws, that the, you know, that the horror uh, and... That the Academy not wanting to give awards to horror is counterbalanced by the fact that it's John Williams and that they just can't help themselves. <laughs> it like, could, it, it could be, yeah. He he yeah. just got his fifty third nomination. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. Right. There could be there could be a degree of that to it, but I think uh, it certainly uh, earned, earns its place. Based, um, I mean, not for these wins, but uh, I mean, you know, they sort like, of let's be fair. Too, can you can you think of many? More iconic scores than Jaws? I... Not really. Not that. In not that. Um, well, I can think of a, a few a... that you know that that would be in the running, and and they're all John Williams as well. <laughs> you, know, you think maybe Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman for me, maybe Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, it, 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 um, that Jaws. That Jaws. Well, I mean, the whole soundtrack's good because later on, when they get into the ocean, um, it it picks up to quite an adventurous um, thing. So it's really, it's quite a good one. It's quite a good one. But I thought I'd get Jaws out of the way because it's expected of me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still saying oh, it's yeah. for good reason. Oh yes, but uh, I think I feel like you know I might as well be predictable. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go for for one as well. But I, I, this is one that I feel the Academy were, were properly guilt-tripped into. So like, I was really, really pleased at Get Out won for Best Screenplay. Like, one, be- because it's brilliant and absolutely deserved it. But two, uh, well, I don't, I don't like it for this. They should have just made the, the correct decision straight away. But this award, I think the Oscars were guilted into giving because of the Oscar so white right. campaign. Yeah. But I think that, that in many years, get out wouldn't have got a look in anywhere, but I think they found sort of the perfect project at like the perfect time for the Academy to go, you know, we've got to recognize black filmmakers this year. And it just so happened that a masterpiece was <laughs> was released the same time that was that was about race relations and you know was made by you know a, a promising black filmmaker. So it it kind of you know came at that perfect time, and yeah, you know, it's a good sign that that sort of activism mm. works. You know because you know, the, the academy still is predominantly old white men and they need to kick up the arse sometimes and, and they need to be more representative of you know the, the wider society. And I think, you know, Get Out was one of those 
you know, steps on the road to making the Oscars, you know, more mm-hmm. representative yeah. of, of the world. And I think it's sort of paved the way for Parasite to win, you know, best picture a couple of years later. You know, that's another one that I just I couldn't see that happening a few years ago. Because I mean, how many incredible foreign language movies are that don't get so much as a look in unless you, you know, the best international feature that they, you know, stick in halfway yeah, through. Yeah, I was going to say they get ceremony that yeah, no one pays attention to. Yeah, they into that bracket. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, I mean, everything you said is right. If it didn't just, if it didn't, still yeah, a long if way it to didn't go, deserve though, it, it would because... be, you know, one thing, but the fact of the matter was, it was, you know, brilliant. Yeah, I think the Academy was sat there, you know, thanking the lucky stars that Something, something as brilliant as Get Out came along. Yeah, totally worth it. Totally, absolutely no. great. Yeah. So, yeah, Get Out. It was a wonderful Oscar win, and I was, I was very pleased for it. Yeah. Lovely. Well, my, um, I've only actually picked another one, so I'm, d- I'm just going to go with one more because, uh, well, no, look, I picked four. I've only got one more well, as well. So four in total, but I don't want to talk about films that we've talked about endlessly in the past. So what I'm actually going to talk about is uh, Black Swan, which which okay. I actually only just watched the other day. Um, it's been on my watch list for probably since it came out. Um, but I didn't... I wasn't quite sure what it was about, and I didn't even know it was a horror film, really, until I started watching it. And I think... You could debate slightly about whether it is or whether it isn't. Um, which, of course, I think the Oscar one there was Natalie Portman for Best Actress. But um, yeah, do you know what? Like, I was I, I, I rarely get drawn into a film. I, people, and I've probably said this on the on the before that it often takes me a couple of viewings. I usually have to get up and walk about. But with Black Swan, I was just in in it you know it was just all, all the way through it was just absolutely fantastic film um i don't understand a thing about ballet but it was beautiful to watch but natalie portman earns her chops in this you know like yeah i think uh you know darren aronofsky is is very good at getting performance out of actors yeah and he really does highlight the, the acts in his films you know uh not a horror film, but another another actor that was robbed at the Oscars was was Mickey Rourke in The oh, Wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he he definitely should have won. Uh, Brendan Fraser looks like he's going to win for the Whale, so I mean that's nice. So you know it's another Aronofsky. So yeah, you know it's it's completely understandable that 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 you would go for. Yeah, that, you know? I was just. Um... It's not often watching a film that I'm shocked. Um, shocked seems unfair as well. That's not really what I mean, but just so engaged. That's that. That was it. I was just, yeah, really, really great. I hope that we can get around to doing it on here at some point. Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm going to go for one very similar, actually, because it was the uh, the same category, just much, much, much earlier. And I'm going to say that Kathy Bates winning oh, right, yeah. for Misery. 
is it's one of my favorite performances mm-hmm. in horror well in just in cinema in general because i remember watching it would have been like sort of 10 years or so ago uh, cuz i used to uh, i used to read books on my on mm-hmm. my bus trip to work and i was reading misery and then friday night of the week that i finished it uh, so i got the family around for yeah i want to watch misery tonight so we stuck it on and my sister at the start of the film as an you know impudent little well, she's probably been 16 or something but no a bit older than that you know didn't uh just oh this is rubbish you know she she even said at the beginning of the film that kathy bates acting was similar to the room and then by the end of the film she was completely suckered <laughs> in and you know everyone was captivated by her you know because you know she just does that well she she just does the the Kathy Bates in misery thing doesn't she you know she has that you know overbearing sort of uh is it midwestern sweetness uh, yeah. and com- you know transitions that into complete murderous psychopathy and all the things in between she she's just properly properly yeah that's an excellent performance in that film um yeah i i can't say anything else than what you what you just said um i think it's just yeah captivating yeah that's the word isn't it but i suppose that that's that's the word that she certainly is that yes but that's why these that's why they win these oscars because it's just so damn good you know yeah, I mean, you know, as we said, you know, the, uh, female performers have had, you know, considerably more luck on this front than than the males. You know that we, we've mentioned a couple of winners as well, and uh, Rosemary's Baby won one for uh, Ruth Gordon. So you know that yeah, they get the nods now and again. I would say there's been a few that you know have just being completely overlooked, you know, like we said a few weeks ago, I, I would have thought that Mia Goth deserved at least a nomination for Pearl. You know, she, she really was fantastic in that. And, you know, Tony Collette didn't get anything for hereditary when she was brilliant. So they're still overlooked, but they, they tend to get a bit of luck. And then of course, you know, the other one where horror, I mean, even though it does win fairly regularly, it's still massively overlooked. <laughs> it's, is makeup and effects because yeah, which is strange because um, if I remember rightly, I'm pretty sure that the makeup and effects Oscar was made for American Werewolf in London. Um, that was the first film to be awarded it, so it just seems strange that they wouldn't continue looking down those down that road. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a, there are a few that the fly won it as well. Uh, you know, aliens won best visual effects and alien. So you know they 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 get a little bit here and there. Yeah, but it's still yeah yeah. So it's still part of that wider idiocy. Oh well, there there you go. Then we've um we've done our slice of bread. Um, yeah, and say so just for a little little sizzle we are going to revisit yes. around the time of the the actual ceremony as well and we're going to do a little bit more oscar talk then because 
We want to. Yes, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to doing that. So, yeah, we will be doing a, a little bit more about the Oscars, but um, we won't be forgetting all about this effed up February uh, as well, which let's do it. Okay, let's get in there. So, as we said, we uh, are going to be talking about Tusk today. So, the well, the, the question that we're going to uh, to delve into is, is this effed up or not? I almost said it then. Is this effed up or not? And is it worthy of a place among the... I don't know, it's the first one. Can we call it a pantheon yet? <laughs> I've no idea. The, the pantheon of, of effed up movies. But right, so this film came out, it actually came out on my birthday. Oh, that's nice. The, the 19th of September, 2014. So when I was but a wee nipper of 24 years old. Very yeah. young. Uh, so it was written and directed by Kevin Smith. Uh, so, you know, a name that jumps out immediately because not a horror guy, is it? No, no. Um, although I can't remember if he did Red State before or after this. I think it was before. Did Red State before this. Yeah. I remember going to, I actually made a special trip to the uh, the posh cinema. Uh, near near my university to watch Red State. Yeah, which is which is very uh, a horror film too. Uh, uh, something like it's definitely got a lot of uh, horror horror elements in it, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, the uh, the other person I want to shout out. We do it sometimes, but not all that often. Is a cinematographer who's uh, actually Oscar nominated, James Laxton. Ooh. Uh, not for this. He shot Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk after. So he's uh, I think you can you can tell Kevin Smith's working with a better cinematographer than he usually does in this film <laughs> because it it looks great. Yes, it does. Uh, and then yeah, so let's go on to the cast. We have Justin Long as Wallace, Michael Parks as Howard Howe, Haley Joel Osment as Teddy, Genesis Rodriguez as Ali, and Johnny Depp as Guy Laponte. And for the the money talk. We have a budget of three million dollars and a box office of one point nine million, which is it's no good. But I think like Kevin Smith has this like I don't know, it's like a cult around him, isn't it? At this point, I think he he takes cult filmmakers to this like new place where he he, just, he doesn't lose money. He just he'll he'll get it somewhere. He'll get it from selling action figures on his website and yeah, like, but his films just don't. Run into loss, do they? No, he's often he often says that he's a he's a, a home video guy. That's that's where people get his films from, and it's the same with Tusk. I think it's made its money since since now with just um, home video releases and stuff because it's it's edging its way into being something of a cult movie. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly in horror circles, yeah, mm. more people than than I would probably expect. No. Uh, no Tusk, yeah, you know, not not as a film. Uh, the the other like weird thing though is that this is this is an A twenty four film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this is this is one of their their first first horrors, if if not the first horror. It might it, it may well be. Yeah, I think so. It's I think Blumhouse turned it down. Um, I might be I might be a bit wrong about that, but I think I, I saw that somewhere that Blumhouse turned it down for being just a bit too weird for them. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this l- later on. I think because 
as whether this this feels like an A24 film and not. But right. we'll, we'll just say give that that brief uh, plot synopsis before we uh, before we get into asking that question. Mm. So it uh, follows a story of Wallace, who's a podcaster with Haley Joel Osment's Teddy, and they have a podcast called the Not C Party. Make sure I pronounce that properly. <laughs> N-O-T-S-E-E. And yeah, they basically for the podcast, they, they go to places. One uh, Wallace interviews a person there and Teddy doesn't see who they are. It's part of the idea. Yeah. And while in Canada, he goes to interview uh, someone called the Kill Bill Kid. He's sort of like a Star Wars kid type and who, who cut his own leg off. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, he takes his own life. So, scrambling to find a replacement, he sees an ad by Michael Parks as Howard Howe. It basically tells him, you know, come to the house, I'll tell you some stories, and you can you know, live and look after me. So, he answers the ad, and then turns out Howard Howe is not who we think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, go on. Well, I, I just sort of to to illustrate how this falls into effed up February. Right. Uh, when I was looking for the box office and the budget and stuff on Google, uh, I just searched Tusk, and the first sort of you know recommended Google question came up was just, "Is the movie Tusk disturbing?" <laughs> and so, is that a question that we need to answer? But I think that that's yeah, that's what we're going to be doing then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I'll I'll let you go first. What are you, what are your thoughts on the film? Um, let's see. So I think I think this movie benefits from the first view, but maybe not from a second viewing, um, because I think in terms of it being disturbing, it catches you that that first time and it almost catches you out especially if you don't know what I mean I knew what I was going in to see but I didn't know what it was going to look like um so when you do get this sort of um eventual walrus reveal um it's like oh god that's that's awful I don't want to look at that um I remember that I remember the next day like I was talking to somebody at, at my work about it who who I used to um talk to horror f- used to talk to horror films about yeah that there you go yeah it made sense <laughs> I know what you're getting <laughs> and I was like oh man you gotta see this movie but also you know it's really weird and it might make you feel a bit weird um yeah but uh, I, I don't want to deliver my whole uh, whole thoughts on it now, so I might save exactly what I want to say about it for later. But um... yeah, I know, well, I know exactly what you mean by saying that the film takes you by surprise because I, I, you know, certainly from about the ages of maybe like fifteen to twenty, uh, I was a massive, massive Kevin Smith guy. Like, absolutely loved loved everything he put out. You know. Except Cop Out. Cop Out was awful. And Jersey Girl wasn't great. But you know, there's lots of stuff. I was a big, big Kevin Smith fan. Yeah. And like, you know, I remember 
when Cop Out came out and he had that sort of you know meltdown about the critics and stuff. And then he made which probably possibly his most interesting film when he brought Red State out. And I he just seemed to take this, you know, this new direction. And I went into to watching Tusk, you know, kinda with that in mind. And you know, I had didn't know a great deal about the film. I knew it was like something to do with a walrus. Right, yeah. So I went into this film thinking, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's pivoted back into comedy. And there's this walrus thing. And then, you know, watched the film and like, this, like, it's horrific, isn't it? You know, it's... Yeah, you know, yeah. It, for me, it's not so much the shots with the walrus in at the end, you know, where he's being turned into the walrus that are the, the worst things as ugly as they are. It's those those in-between stages. Yeah. You know, when you see when he gets his leg cut off and it's like that, it's sort of like a nasty bodge job of, a, you know, of sewing it up, isn't it? Mm. You know, and where they, they sort of show him with the, the arms splayed out and it's on, on the slab and like they are like properly, properly gross shots. Yeah, yeah. That that's where it really gets me for the you know, for the effed up part of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's it it it's got um it's got elements of, of excellent body horror. And I think one of the things about this movie is it ain't it's not taking pot shots at horror films. It's a legitimately you know, it's a legitimate horror film. It's not like, oh, here's a horror comedy that that Kevin Smith wrote, it's like, well, which it is, of course, but it's a legitimate horror, a horror film. And considering it comes from them riffing off an advert that they saw in, I think, Craigslist on the podcast, I think it's absolute insanity to have created something like this. Um, well, that's where I think this is, you know, this, like I've said it before, this, this is Kevin Smith's best work as a director. Because this this film is a horror film. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. This film, you know, it is it is disturbing, it is creepy, it is gross, and it is scary. And then you realize it's about a man being turned into a walrus. <laughs> you know how how ridiculous is that as a concept? You know, that is just a daft thing. Yeah, yeah. Yet they've made it into a genuine horror film. And that all of that has just been done through filmmaking techniques. So, yeah. So, with that being said, though, the the middle bit with basically the whole bit with Johnny Depp, <laughs> like, that's crap. You know, jo- Johnny Depp really sends this film off the rails. Right. You know, he's gone from that sort of, you know, that later Pirates of the Caribbean films where, you know, he, the first one, you know, it was great, and and then he just went, "I'm just going to do s- just stupid shit for the rest of it." I can understand, you know, he's being directed to do that because they're trying to sort of hide the fact that it's Johnny Depp, aren't they? A little bit, uh, but I think the scene where he's talking to Michael Parks, I thought I was, you know, that was a really just like an unpleasant scene because I thought it was a bit, you know, in bad taste. Michael Parks, you know, essentially, you know, mocking someone with learning disabilities, you know. And just Johnny Depp just being over the top and just 
you know, silly. I just thought it, it really sucks the momentum out of the film for me. Right, yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. In fact, anything involving the sort of B-plot, if you will, with, um, I think, the characters Alison and Teddy, and, you know, she's an odd duck of a character anyway. I will get back to Johnny Depp, but she's... She, we're treated to odd scenes with her where, you know, one minute we see that she kind of she that she does seem to love Wallace, but she's not liking who he's become. And then the next minute we she's putting on some sort of Anne Hathaway in Les Mis tears. Um and she's obviously cheating on him and she well, he's been cheating on her, but you know, she's doing the same thing to him and she seems to hate him and she's a character she's like I'm not sure if I'm supposed to get behind her or care or whatever. And, you know, as much as I like Hayley Joel Osment as as Teddy in this, he just seems to be sort of coasting along. I think both of them are just kind of there to just drive some momentum for that final little shot, aren't they? They're there for that setup. Yeah, it's very... um, That whole B-plot, it does... does, slams the brakes on on onto the movie um personally i quite like johnny depp's guy le 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 point is it guy la point i think yeah. yeah but they have him for too long like there's a whole a whole scene where he's in a restaurant and i think i think i checked it and the restaurant scene lasts about 15 minutes um and I get the feeling that what happened was Kevin Smith had couldn't believe that Johnny Depp was going to come and do this. And they sort of, you know, like it or not, Johnny Depp's a good actor. And they sort of went here, this is what you need to do without necessarily giving him too much of a script. And I think that Kevin Smith couldn't, didn't want to cut too much of it because to him it, it seemed like, you know, gold or whatever. And, it, and for me, all, the whole thing is, it is good. I like the character and I like what he says, but there's too much of it to the point where it goes, ah, oh, yeah, I'm kind of sick of this now. And then like you say, yeah, they, they needed to, they needed to, to rein it in. Yeah. Yeah. Or put it in a different film. Didn't they really? Yeah. Because like I say, I, I liked it. I, I like the character, but because that bit particular bit lasts too long and I don't care about the other two. But well, you think, you know, that the bit, there's the, like the bit in the airport where he's he's talking to the guy. Is it the guy? Is it Epic Meal Times? What is it's a guy from a YouTube thing? I, I think it was Epic Meal Times. Right. Yeah, you know, I can't I can't really remember. And you know, and he, he's telling you about the kind of do's and kind of don'ts and stuff. It should have been that sort of yeah. length scene. That's right. It was snappy. It it, mo- it moved on. Here's this quirky character. He's dropped in for a little bit. He's gone. Now you don't have to worry about him. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't mind that he was part of the story. It just there was just too. Even in that particular scene, they could have had different scenes with him, but because it was such a long scene to the point of going, yeah, okay. Because going backwards around the movie, um, when Justin Long and Michael Park, Michael Parks, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, this this not Michael Parkinson of uh, last week's. No, the 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 bit when they're both having tea and chatting, and Michael Parks is telling stories, and Justin Long is responding to the stories. That scene is so engaging, and um, 
there's a little bit of tension in it, but not too much. But to the point where, you know, I, I was sat watching it going, I could watch another 10, 15 minutes of those two just interacting with each other in this way. Because, Michael, I mean, you probably agree with me that Michael Park carries this whole thing. He's fantastic the whole way through. Yeah, he, he is absolutely brilliant in this. You know, I love how, you know, the performance in that, that scene where they're talking together. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like, you know, he's, you, you can tell that he's sinister, you know, as a character. Right. You know, you, you, you know it is, you know, uh, you know, just look, you're looking at him. You can tell that, you know, the, the looks in his eyes and, you know, the way that he's sort of his eyes narrow at times and stuff. But he's also, you know, his voice is so, you know, sort of softly spoken and he's, you know, very gentle with the way that he speaks and, He's in the wheelchair at that, and you think, oh, you know, he's he's looks sinister, and you, you kind of know he is, but also, you know, he seems so so delicate, and he's, you know, this nice, engaging old man with a yarn to spin. And then, sort of as the film goes on, you know, you, you like that whole thing just unravels, and it, you know, it just becomes just more and more, you know, obsessive and chaotic and just maddening and it's like it really does you know a fantastic job and then you know in between those two things there's the bit where he's uh you know immediately after you know he's been knocked out where he he cuts justin long's leg off Mm. and you know he's trying to convince him that oh he got bit by a spider and you you can see that like that's the last thread of his sanity that's he's just trying to to keep hold of that before it snaps and he, he becomes what he does in the second half of film. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing I like about the whole spider thing is um, it's, it, it's, it's acted in such a way for me, like you, you can tell, well, I mean, we know he's lying, but he knows he's lying too. And it's just like, and I think he gets some thrill out of it too. And and it, you know, later on, after 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 that, when they're sort of having a meal together, and Justin Long's like, there wasn't actually a spider, was there? And he he slips into the the itsy bitsy spider song, but he goes a bit odd. And I love the way I, I love the way his well, like you say, his characters ha- hanging onto the sort of threads of his sanity, but it's it's there, you know, and he's obviously a very clever person, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it it's really great, and I've heard people say that. It was a shame that because I think it was his last performance before he passed away, unfortunately. But I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of in this. He carries this whole movie. You know, if there'd been anybody else, I don't think it would have been nearly as good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've seen Michael Parks a lot as, uh, you know, sort of interesting character actor who pops in for a scene and you, know, you think maybe, yeah. Like Kill Bill is a perfect example. Right, yeah, you know, yeah. He pops in for a steal. He, you know, he kind of steals it. You know, he's engaging. Uh, but I think you know with uh, the the two Kevin Smith films, like both of them, you know, Red State as well. He really like leans into just doing some some proper acting in these films. You know, the monologue that he gives in Red State during the sort of the church sermon at the beginning, like. Just brilliant. Mm. 
you know, the, the guy, you know, really stretched his legs on this and, you know, just showed how, how fantastic he was as an actor. And, and like you said, you, you're going out on this performance. I, I would say that if I was an actor, because, you know, like that, that one scene aside, you know, you, you can't really think there's a, there's a missing point in this. He's, like he's dialed up all the way for for the whole thing. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not phoning it in. He's like, you know, yeah, really, really great. And I think, you know, I do have to. I do have to nod to Justin Long a bit though, because once he gets into that walrus suit, he really, you know, goes all out with it. You know, he could. I don't know what. He, I don't know what else he could have done, but you, you know what I mean. Like he doesn't. It's scary when it shouldn't be, for sure. Yeah, and you know he he also does, you know, the great job of of being that you know obnoxious, you know, bell end <laughs> to the point where you think he kind of deserves it for a lot of it as well. You know, he, he plays both, you know, both sides of that coin really well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um. It's an odd one that because horror movies often have a bell end where you're like, uh, you know, if they get their comeuppance, it's like, oh, good, good for them. But in this particular case, the comeuppance is far too much. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, no, I, I didn't want this that for him. <laughs> I think what I would say about Justin Long is, is we need, we, we need the trilogy now, don't we? Of weird left turn horror films. Yeah, you know, he did this, then he did Barbarian. You know, we we need the next one. I want him to be nice in something, though. I remember him in Dodgeball, and I always thought he was really a nice guy. Uh, I'd like him to be nice in something. Give me nice, Justin Long. Did, could you say that that no Jeepers Creepers don't count, does it? That's not that's not left left turn enough. No, that's got quite a good ending, though. Yeah, I don't think it counts. No, nah, so. Yeah, and see, I think he's he's been nice in other stuff. I'm sure of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I just I want him to be nice in a horror film. That's all I want. Well, maybe that's maybe that's what we need to do for the trilogy then. Have him be nice. Nothing else. Um, let's see. I think the only other things I had to say about it before we get to the ending, if you don't mind, is there's a couple of bits I'd, I, I I really hated the Nazi party thing. I didn't like that the first time around, and I don't like it now. Um, it's a stupid joke, and it isn't funny. <laughs> yeah, and also that, that podcast sucks. That's <laughs> yeah. We didn't hear much of it, but yeah. it, I know that's a bad podcast. I wouldn't listen to that podcast. No. No. And the other thing, the only other thing that really stood out to me is when they're talking about the Kill Bill kid and they show it, the CGI is so crap, really bad. Like That's true, yeah. Like I wasn't sure if the viral if the video was so viral because it was such bad CGI, or you know, it turned out the guy actually did chop his leg off. So it's like I don't know what happened. Um, I was actually watching a video about Tusk afterwards where the person was talking about it and he was like, he did something similar in his own video and he goes, I did this with my phone and it looks, you know, 
better. So, and I mean, obviously, it's, there's, there's been a, a long time between 2014 and now, but still, it it's, it really stands out as being very bad, though. Um, it does. Uh, I think it's it's brief enough that you can kind of get away with it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Uh, I want to say I would brush it aside, but I wrote it down, so it must have annoyed me enough. <laughs> it must have annoyed me enough to write it down. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've got anything else you really want to say about it, apart from I would like to go well, to the we, ending. Well, just just before we do that, until we we did mention earlier about this being an A twenty four film, right? So it's like, where 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 do you stand? Do you think this fits in with with the A twenty four catalog? Um, yeah, I kind of think it does actually because it's something totally different. Um, it's not. It certainly doesn't fit the Bloom, Blumhouse model. Um, so yeah, I think, I I think it does. I mean, is it elevated horror? No. Um, well, I think that's a sort of a nonsense term anyway, isn't it? Yeah. It's a stupid term. It's it's people like the Academy members wanting to think that them saying horror films are worthy. They've always been worthy. (laughs) I know, but we do, it is a term that's come through and we do know know what the, so it (laughs) it is a sort of, it is a base level horror film, but it's acted so fantastically. So yeah, I'd say I couldn't think where else it would fit. It doesn't fit the Blumhouse model for me. And it certainly isn't anything a big company would, would churn out. But for me, I think it kind of fits sort of, in between the sort of things A24 are known for, for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it certainly sort of fits between sort of two of the things they're known for. You know, because it, you know, they, they've got all those fan, you know, fantastic, fantastic horror movies that I, I always bang on about, uh, you know, with Ari Aster and Robert Eggers and that. Uh, but it also, like, sits somewhere between those films and sort of the the wacky stuff that they've made, you know, the Swiss Army Mans and the, the Everything Everywheres. Yeah. And it, it's like, I don't know, it's weird that it's carved its own niche within sort of that A24 canon. And like, it is, you know, a really interesting film when, I mean, this is like only the first real time I've thought about it in that sense, but it's, you know, it's kind of fascinating like that. Shall we jump into what you want to say about the ending then? Well, I just think the ending's a bit batshit, to be honest. I don't, I don't like it. Um, you don't, okay. And, uh, the, the the very very ending where they they go and he's in a zoo. It doesn't make any sense to me. It it, it, it bugs the shite out of me because even you know even if he was in a situation where obviously they say he's gone full walrus. There's no way that I know it's a horror film, but there's no way it, they would put him in a fucking zoo. And it really winds me up. It wound me up at the time and it winds me up now because he's not, it's not like he's actually in a walrus skin. He's in like a fucking suit thing. You know, really it bugs the shit out of me. Um, but you know, oh, and I don't know. I, I... I kind of feel the opposite way out of that. I mean, you know, probably, I don't know. Would you? 
No, you wouldn't. What would happen in what would happen in this situation? They wouldn't do that, would they? And I mean, even if even if they felt like they had to leave him as a walrus, he'd be in some safe enclosure somewhere where people couldn't go gawp at him. Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, well, I say he's got enough of his humanity to to answer yes no questions. Exactly. So maybe you know, maybe they asked him, you know, do you want to be able to be visited by people? Do you want to live in a walrus enclave? No. I mean, what? Yeah, where else are you going to put him? You can't. You, know, no. you can't give him a living room with I, a sofa. And... I can't. I just. I just can't get on board with it. Actually, well, saying that, there's no way they would the, have tried uh, the to gorillas, get him out of it. The gorillas at Longleat Zoo, or Safari Park, they have their own little island yeah. within the lake, and they have a TV in there. Apparently, they, they enjoy watching SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> so I would say you'd do at least the same for a, a human walrus hybrid. He should at least, uh, if it had a TV, that would have been something. The other thing, about- we'll, we'll we'll do an edit then. We'll, we'll <laughs> show him watching telly a little bit. The other thing about this ending is I've, I, I recalled it being a different, not a different ending, but I recalled the people, um, Teddy and Allison. I recalled them being more callous than they are. <laughs> I don't know why I've got that in my head that they were more like, nah, idiot. I don't know. I, I, maybe I just thought that's what I would have been like. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I think if he had gone full walrus, I, I, I probably wouldn't visit personally. No, it's odd that they bring him a fish. You'd say that that's that's a walrus now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think if if this if this was. Let's just say if this was real life up until the point where, where he would, you know, was discovered by, by his friends, I if it were me, I'd just just put me down. I'm done. I don't. <laughs> you know that that's the third option. He doesn't speak about. It's either let himself be killed, become full walrus, you know, just just get put down. I choose that option. I I, I think I would, you know. I would not like to live the rest of my life as a as a walrus <laughs> in captivity. Exactly. Without the ability to really swim or anything like that. It's a stupid ending. It's a stupid film, isn't it? Let's be <laughs> let's be brutally honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. Um so I think I but let's see what the uh the, the good folks of uh of the internet think, whether it's stupid or not. So uh letterbox give this a 2.5 and Rotten Tomatoes, we've got a 45% critic score and a 36% audience score. Now, I can't say I'm surprised by any of that. No, 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 this, like, this isn't a film that's designed for mass appeal, is it? This is a, this is a film that you're either going to get or you, or not get. And then even if you get it, you might still be grossed out and, <laughs> don't want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something of a, a bit of a horror pilgrimage, isn't it? You know, like it's probably on a list of films. We're going, oh, what, what should I watch? You, you probably would slide it on there. Just go, well, if you want to watch something that's really out there, go for this one. Um, I don't know if you want to do the Facebook comment now. I know we did get one actually. Um, Oh, I've got it up anyway. Um, yeah, so Kyle said, an absolutely bonkers movie. What have you done? 
an absolutely bonkers movie. What have you done? The zoom out to reveal the monster is one of the funniest slash most effed up things I've seen. Kevin Smith is a lord. The only real question is, as podcasters, which one of you is Wallace and which one of you is Teddy? Oh, Jesus. Um, I choose neither. I don't want to be either. I'll be the microphones. No, yeah, I, I don't think I can really be, be either. I apologise to you there, Kyle. I think I read that really badly. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, you're right about the things that you said. It is obviously a bonkers movie. And, and you're right, that, that zoom out, that first zoom out, what I like, one of the things I do like about that though is they didn't, they didn't um, shy away from showing you it. You know, there wasn't any of this hiding in the dark for a bit or anything like that, or you know, like playing with oh, you know, what what has he actually done to him? Kevin Smith, if you like, just went no, come on, they've turned him into Wal Walrus. Let's fucking see this, um, and you do, and it looked it, you know. It does look great, <laughs> to a degree. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's shot by, uh, you know, like we said, James Laxton. You know, yeah, it, it really does look pretty good, and and the set design and yeah, sort of the whole atmosphere yeah. around, as, as, like, really, really good. Yeah, as horror monsters go, I'd say it's, you know, up there. But if it counts as a monster, I suppose it sort of does. Um. But yeah, so I suppose we should get on to. Well, should we just des- uh, do we decide now whether it's effed up or not? Uh, well, yes, yes, it is. How do you feel? Do you agree? I agree that when you first see it, it's effed up. Yes, and I think that's the most you can ask for in any of these situations because you know. It's never going to get you the second time around. So yeah, so it is effed up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think even sort of second time round, when you, you know, you kind of bask in the absurdity, you know, it's it's messed up just as a as a comedy rather than a, <laughs> a, a messed up horror. You know, it's <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely an effed up movie, and certainly it certainly deserves its place here and in effed uh, up February. And I'm glad we got to do it as the first one. Um, when it comes to my review of it, um, I must admit I'm wavering between Creative Psychopath and Anu. It's spooky because as much as I as as much as I I like all the horror elements of it, the the breaks that it puts on by skipping to the B plot really take away from the film. Um. So, I still haven't really decided. <laughs> no, I, I'm fully with what you just said as well. I think if it, you know, for the most part, all the bits that are just, if it was all Justin Long and Michael Parks, this this will be a creative psychopath, no problem. Yeah. But the 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 question is, are the brakes put on enough to drag that that back one? I'm going to say. Just no. I'm going to say it's like just a creative psychopath for me. Just on that, it sneaks in. I. Do you know what? I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to go for a new. It's spooky because I really uh, the, the 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 pauses are just enough to sort of to me relieve the tension too much. 
Um, but what I would say is adding to that, though, is I would say that if you're a horror fan and you haven't seen this, you should see it. It should add it to your list of things that you need to see. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, there you go then. So it's um, it's still a good movie, I think. Uh, one creative psychopath and oh, it's spooky with a caveat. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think I'd say we're certainly not too far away in our uh, opinions. No, no, yeah, I think we're pretty we're pretty close. Um, yeah, lovely. Uh, okay, so that's yeah, it's a, a lovely, the delicious lo- filling. Lo- uh, Delicious walrus filling. <laughs> or raw fish filling, I suppose. Raw fish filling. Oh. So, uh, oh, are you sushi sandwich? Yeah, sushi sandwich. Is that a thing people make? I do not know. Uh, so, uh, here we are for the final slice of bread. Or should I say the last other slice of bread? Ah, oh, very good. I thought so. Uh, so, we're, we're actually... We're not talking about horror movies now, are we? No, we're not. We're gonna uh we're gonna dip into the first episode of The Last of Us. Um you know number one because we're jumping on a bandwagon, but number two, we thought it was horror enough that we should look at it. Plus that that first episode's nearly feature length anyway. Um, yeah, it was it was a long one, wasn't it? It was now we're in 20, I believe. So so I think first thing I want to ask you, have you played the game? I have played some of the game, enough to know what was going on in this episode. Right, because I, I haven't. So right. I'm, I'm kind of coming to this now. I, I know enough about it, I think, to... Yeah, I knew what was going on, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. basic plot of it and stuff. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I think I'm a bit mixed on this. I don't think I'm as hot on this show as as a lot of other people are. No. Uh, I thought that the, the opening, uh, you know, the, the opening scene with the plane crash and uh, you know, right up to the point where Joel loses his daughter, I think that was was top draw. I thought that was incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it ran out of steam a little bit there. I thought maybe, maybe this should have been the first two episodes and... Like you say, don't go full feature length, and you know maybe have it as two because I think it it hindered it by the end of it. I was flagging a bit by the end of the, mm, the episode. I agree, I agree wholeheartedly with all those with all those statements that you said there. And I think it's, it's such a strong opening, um, you know, and it's it's certainly more action packed than the game, but it also does include a lot of the elements from the game. Surprisingly, like like actual scenes ripped out of it. Um, but there were bits in the opening that you never, that were never part of the game where, you know, she goes over to her neighbors and you see the, there's like a grandma or whatever. And she's obviously sort of incapacitated, but she must be getting taken over by whatever the fungus is or whatever, whatever. And that's pretty, I thought that was a pretty good horror moment for me. I enjoyed seeing a sort of, jerking but not really doing anything in the background and i thought i was like oh yeah that works for me um yeah i think when it was and it was going on those little horror bits i think that's when that's when it was at its best mm. uh and the you know sort of that that escape uh with the car and you know that that plane crash i thought that 
those two were the bits that stood out to me for the the whole episode. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think you they should have they should have probably ended it somewhere around the daughter dying. Um, because I think because it's such a high octane thing, like you sort of like on the edge of your seat, and then they sort of bring you right off, bring you well, put you back on your chair almost by the end of it. Um, but I thought you know I thought Pedro Pascal was good in it. Um, the girl who plays Ellie, I think Bella Ramsey, took me ages to figure out where I'd seen her from, and then I realized that I watched a film called Catherine Cole Birdie, and um, she's in that, she's the main person in that. I I really thought you were just going to say Game of Thrones, no, was she in that? Yeah, she was that little uh, little lass up north that everyone loved because she. Took no shit. All uh, right, no, no, it wasn't Game of Thrones. I saw her in. Um, why did I watch Catherine Cold Birdie? Um, uh, it's, uh, I think that's a new one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just trying to think why I watched it. I think I was listening to an interview with the director on a horror movie podcast, um, and they talked about it briefly on that. No, I tell a lie. It was Mark Kermode was talking to her. Um, Lena Dunham, the director. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But the other thing I thought I did I did like about it was um, the world building in the sort of 20 years later was really good. Um, you got a good sense of what was going on. Uh, it didn't, it wasn't complicated to figure, figure out where the world had been in 20 years. Um, so I, I enjoyed it for that, but I won't go back to it. Uh, I wasn't. I wouldn't. I, I wasn't ready to watch episode two, and I probably won't watch any more of it. But it did make me think that maybe I should play the game. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Uh, so I think what we can do then is is revisit this in a few weeks because I uh, I am going to watch episode two. I, I've as it stands, I've got it planned to watch tomorrow night. All right. Okay. So we'll we'll see how it goes on. Well, we might might even do a weekly check in. How's the last of us going? <laughs> okay, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I'll continue and, and let you know if what what uh, what I think. All right, okay. Well, if it's worth a watch, you can you can let me know, and I'll. I find it very hard to watch television shows these days. I don't I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. I can't tell you any more than that. <laughs> no, I, I I find myself much preferring to just you know, watch a film than than get into a TV show. I think for me it's it's time. You know, I, I can't commit to a to a whole series. <laughs> yeah, no, there's very few things that I do um that I do watch. I think I watch I watch Cobra Kai, but uh, but that's mainly because I've got such a you know thing for karate kid. Um I think it's that's the only thing that I really, really look forward to watching. Um that's, but that really isn't horror. So I've really, uh, I've really wandered off there. So there you go. Then that was the first episode of Effed Up February, I think. Um, starting with an Effed Up movie, so that is exciting. I'm happy and excited to have started this season. Uh, um, so what do we do now? Facebook groups, join them. East Instagram. Yeah. 
Instagram. Get on it. Letterboxd. There's not too much going on on Instagram, to be to be fair, but I, w- I will try better. But my letterbox, you should definitely follow CP underscore podcast, I think it is. Because um, I really am churning through movies, so you can see what I'm watching. It's not all and horror. Then, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's not horror there. You watched Singing in the Rain the other day. I did, yeah. It was a treat. Absolute treat. Yeah, I think, well... The, the perfect time to watch Babylon for reasons we'll talk about off the podcast. <laughs> uh, and and follow you follow you on Letterbox, Joe at Matthew Farnley, right? Yeah, all one word. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I, I got in, got in early, possibly. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Right. Okay. Let's say bye to everybody then. Bye. See you later. <laughs>